Uh, hey, Paul, uh, would you like to hear about an exciting opportunity for our listeners? Absolutely. I knew you would. Listeners and Paul, uh, we have started a Patreon account. Uh, Paul, do you know what Patreon is? Why don't you tell me what it is? Oh, I would love to tell you what it is. Uh, Patreon is this place where creators of content can make a little community and people who enjoy the content can go and support them and become, you know, get some cash and prizes. Well, not cash. You would give us yeah, cash. Cash and prizes. <laughs> No, give us cash, you get prizes. Yes, yes, that's how that works. Prizes that you can get from being a NerdCanon Patreon supporter include hanging out with us on some Facebook Live watches and like an actual cool NerdCanon button with our NerdCanon logo. Sounds amazing. I mean, I think it sounds great. You would go to patreon.com slash nerdcanon if you were interested in such a thing. Link is in the show notes. Link is in the show notes. Take a look. We would really appreciate it. We love making the show and we work really hard to do it. And it would be fun to be able to make it even better and hang out with y'all digitally. Sounds fun. I'm there. All right. Cool. Back to the back to your regularly scheduled nerd talk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nerd Cannon. I'm Beth. I'm Paul. <laughs> this is a podcast where two librarians look at pop culture cornerstones from their childhood and decide if they're good enough to be shared with the next generation of nerds. Today's topic is scary stories to tell in the dark. I can't wait. Woo, Are we going to tell any scary time. stories? It's spooky time. That, oh, man. That's going to go on our Patreon. Okay. Us cool. doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. Okay. Okay. I, I also heard it here first. You did. <laughs> it's true. I'm committing to things without asking. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a series of three collections of short horror stories for children written by Elvin Schwartz and originally illustrated by Stephen Gamble. The titles of the books are Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was 1981, More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, 1984, and Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones. And that one was 1991. Hey, Paul. What was your experience with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark as a kid? I love these books. I can't remember exactly where I first encountered them. If it was the library or if it was... It might have been that my older sister had them. Mm -hmm. And I was a, as a little book thief stealing the books from my older sister. I yeah. think we've talked about them we before. We have both been book thieves. <laughs> yeah. and But I love them. Uh, the, just I've read them over and over through the years. So uh, I, I'm not sure when I first encountered them. I do think that I encountered them before 1991. So I, I would have been under 10. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure I remember them as being two books. And then later on encountering the you. third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I read them under as an under 10-year-old. Absolutely the illustrations were the hook, Did they I think. scare you? Uh, I don't remember being all that scared. I like to read creepy stories. I had various books of ghost stories and mm -hmm. horror stories and i liked the short story sort of aspect yep. of those kind of books so i don't remember ever being particularly scared of them but the illustrations were great yeah, yeah, great yeah. great scary illustrations so yep. yeah you yeah similarly i actually do distinctly remember um getting them out from the library and if my memories 
are correct, then it would have been in the elementary school I went to, first through third grade. So as a wee, as a wee one, which is funny because that was mm-hmm. a Catholic school. So that's funny to think that was in the library. And I don't remember hanging out in the school library a ton as a kid, but I definitely remember getting those from the library and reading them and loving them and then, yeah, encountering them more often. I also had friends that had the audiobook. Oh, okay. Tape. I've never encountered that. Yeah, it's so the audiobook version was read by George S. Irving, and there's one of each of the books. And those, I feel like, again, maybe it was just the first two at that time. Like, this might have been pre-1991, mm. or at least pre-us getting our hands on them. Um, but my, mm-hmm. my neighbor, my little neighbor friends, the ones that I used to watch Thundercats with, <laughs> um, <laughs> they had the audiobook. And so we would, like, you know, turn off the lights and get underneath the, you know, make up Aww. like a blanket fort and, like, mm-hmm. listen to them, even though we also, like, would read them to each other so that's funny but um but yeah I I remember that I remember them very fondly from my from my childhood oh yeah um I do have some more information about these that are not necessary no you don't I do I have fun no I have fun facts but I yeah 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 okay so all right well I guess we'll uh we'll just go right into the fun facts yeah as of 2017 the books had collectively sold more than 7 million copies um they've been on um, numerous bestseller lists. There was a film adaptation in 2019. Have you seen that, Paul? I have not. I was going to ask you the same thing. I haven't have seen, seen it, it, and I was thinking about watching it for today's episode, but then I thought that maybe it would be fun to watch it as like a Patreon thing. Okay. Because I, I haven't seen it yet either. Um, but either. I did watch a whole hour and a half documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about that soon. But first, here's... Where are you finding these documentaries? I, I am like like... very good at Google. So, okay. So here yeah. are some more fun facts. So here's a not so fun fact, actually. Um, and I'm sure you already know this, Paul. But according to the American Library Association, the series is the most... Was the single most Bander Challenge book from 1990 to 1999 in the United yeah. States. And then uh, between 2000 and 2009, it was the seventh most challenged um yeah yeah do you want to I think take it up- probably only fell off because it's old enough that newer stuff like harry well potter right because and- then harry potter was turning kids into witches so right there's that but all that real magic spells we have in harry potter that needs to get right right, right right and uh what's the other one i'm thinking of deb pilkey no. So Alvin Schwartz drew heavily from folklore and urban legends as the topic of his stories. He researched extensively, and it took him more than a year to write each book. He has acknowledged influences um, such as Shakespeare, T.S. Eliot, and Mark Twain, but also in the back of the books you can see uh, more information on where he got those, got some of his inspiration and what kind of research he did. In 2011, Harper- Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Sorry. Pilkey. Uh, in, it was in, my brain. In, in 2011, HarperCollins published editions featuring new art by Brett Helquist, pissing off everyone. Yes, and I, we need to talk about. Yeah, that. I know you want to talk about that, and I have more things to I say. I want to talk about this. About the we, art. Okay, keep going on the fun facts, yep. and we'll. We so can come, the yeah. next fun fact is also about the art. So Stephen Gamble, the mastermind behind the creepy drawings, won a Caldecott medal for a picture book illustration in his work on Karen Ackerman's Song and Dance Man in 1989. And Paul, in our notes, I included a video. Did you see okay. the link? It's. I, I see the link. I haven't watched. It's it, a though. super short video of him drawing a character from another him him painting a character from another book. And I just wanted you to see it for the context of 
the illustration because that's supposed to be like a cutesy character, but it also still looks like the end of the fucking world. So oh, I know this Mudkin. Mudkin, yeah. This. So I will post links to these when it is go time. Just and we'll talk about the art more, but just like the stringiness and the blotchiness, that's really his like signature thing. And he's pretending it's like all, it looks like watercolors. It is watercolors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's weird because he draws the little character and then at the end it gets all streaky and blotchy the way that we're used to seeing in the scary stories books. And it's funny because that's not, to me, that's very, very creepy, but it's not meant to be creepy in this other. Anyway, so I just thought that was interesting. I, mean, you, I thought that was yeah. cool. So the story of the red spot may have instilled a deep fear of spiders laying eggs in your face, but don't worry. According to National Geographic, uh, that's just not how it works. That's not going to happen. And um, Elvin Schwartz began his career as a journalist writing for the Binghamton Press from 1951 to 1955. He had a penchant for wordplay, saying that creating work was a parent's guide for children's play it's very apparent this is actually one of the things that i was going to mention about my more recent experience of these books it's very apparent that he was a journalist like you say that it makes total sense yes absolutely i i don't think as a child i was paying attention to his his notes his sources or anything no i was reading the scary stories and then putting it aside yeah. As an adult, coming back to that, it was it was interesting to read, and it's very well documented, and he has a whole list of sources at the end, and he's very careful about he does. saying where the stories came from and all this stuff, and I thought that was pretty interesting that I hadn't... That was new to me this well, time around. Well, and also, I think the actual tone of the writing itself, it's very yeah. short sentences, declarative, there's yes. not a ton of yes. colorful, figurative language, like, it's very matter-of-fact, even when it's the more outlandish shit that mm-hmm. he's saying, and then she died, yeah. and then he ate yeah. her. Like, it just, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And it just, I think it lacks some of that flowery, purple prose that we're used to hearing mm-hmm. in a lot of those stories, and I, I do think it's because, I mean, I have, um, here's a fun fact about me, um, my undergrad degree in print journalism and I was taught to write that way so I yeah. you know I do I do think that he and that is not how I write as also not how I talk but <laughs> but um he you know I do think there's that tone yeah, of sort almost reporting I didn't know that. um and it isn't it isn't like beautiful prose necessarily um but I think that kind of delivery for the topic that it is for the age that it's for I think it's pretty effective yeah um, definitely yeah and it makes it, 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 I think it actually makes it, makes the stories more accessible for a younger audience than they otherwise would. Right. So. And so, so I did say I definitely watched an hour and 20 minute documentary. It's called Scary Stories and I found it for free on one of those weird apps that your, that your Fire Stick wants you to download. Hmm. <laughs> Tubi, Tubby, I don't know, T-U-B-I is the name of it. I thought briefly about looking up how to pronounce that before we started, but I didn't. And I did watch it for free, so it's got commercials, but I watched it. They had all sorts of interviews from his his son and his wife and all sorts of other... Is he alive? No. Um, oh, okay. So he actually died. I, I could have looked up the actual year, but I didn't. So over a 30-year period, he wrote, like, he published, like, 50 books. Um, and he wrote the Scary Stories books, like, in the last 10 years of his life, and he didn't even live to see, like, like the long, enduring success. He did think it was... He was thrilled uh, that they were banned and at the publicity of them being banned. Yeah, that's what I hear every time I hear an author talking about their book being banned. Yeah. Is they're like, that's great. Like, it's going to sell now. Right. When I, t- I talk about banned books with students, and they always... One of the things they always talk about is how angry the authors must be to have their books 
band, and I'm kind of like, well, doesn't usually work. Well, John Green was real fired up. Yeah, I mean, I am not a pornographer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do, I do agree with you that from a shrewd money making standpoint, it's definitely gonna, you know, that's definitely a thing. Right. Yeah. So that's a little bit about that. Do you want to talk about some of the stories that particularly? No. I want to. I want. I want to go back. What would you to like to talk about? <laughs> the the horrible. Oh, the art. redone. Oh, okay. Art edition. This is so. This is what I have. Okay. So a few years ago, I decided. Five years ago? No, even more than that. Seven years yeah. ago, whatever it was, I decided I don't have my own copy of Scary, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I want to have my own copy of right, this of set, and so I go to buy the book. And at the time, I could not buy the original right. artwork. I think it has since it has, been yes. reprinted. That's correct. And now you can buy the original artwork. Nobody buy anything other than the original no, artwork. Folks, I have. No. So I'll show Beth. Yeah. This is the version I have. No, it's crap. And I can already tell it's crap. It can see. It's like a box set. Yeah. The uh, the illustrator is Brett Helquist, which I think is the illustrator for what's the Lemony Snicket thing? Yeah. I can't think of titles. Series of today. unfortunate events. Yes, the uh, the illustrator for a series of unfortunate events, I think. And they're perfectly cromulent pictures. Like, Yeah, they're, they're well not, done, but holy shit. They're they're fine. They're they're reasonably creepy, but part of the appeal of the whole thing for me was having I remember like I think I ordered it without even real I was just like, Yeah, I want that. I'm not even gonna consider I just want it. Give me the set. Right. And when it came I was like what is happening here? Yeah, this is I, not what I want. I did the same thing. To the thing. point where I'm considering ordering Oh no, you have to another one. You have to. I have the anthology, the hardcover anthology with the three yeah. books collected that does have the original artwork. Um I probably bought it, yeah, like a decade ago when I started librarying. Um, so I this is maybe a spoiler for the end of the episode, but I um read I do scary stories with my students every year at Halloween. Um, we do scary story time, and I read all sorts of scary, like all sorts of ghost stories, et cetera. But I definitely read from this book every year, and and I show the pictures. Like, that's the best yeah. part. So do you have favorite stories? Because um, we do the same thing, right? Yeah. I, I benefited from, actually, I believe, Beth starting this. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> because Beth had my job before I had my job, and I'm pretty sure you started. Yep, 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 yep. Because I'm a creep. Students, and I benefited from walking into that and being able to do it. And now we have taken it to 11 and done a much better job than Beth ever oh, did. Oh, blow me. I was only but... there for one year. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I was they really ask do you, not what, get out so of the have, we, <laughs> Sorry, are you still... What, what are you saying? I, I said you hear. really do kick, kick ass at it. You do a great job. Oh, oh. I thought you were saying something snarky. No, um, I was I was praising you legitimately. <laughs> I mean, my little spooky stories with my book club, like I have eighteen year olds, but they bring in yeah. blankets. I bring in all the all the Halloween oh, candy. That's fun. They bring in blankets and pillows and snuggle on the ground and I turn all the lights out and I put a fire on the TV and like we reread them in the dark. <laughs> yeah. And they do, if you get one or two kids that does the like, oh no, like then they all yep. do it and it's fun. But yeah. like it you are special with middle school kids, like they eat that shit up. Yes. They do. It's the perfect. Uh, we have the problem of we have to strike the balance between a really lame, spooky story that no one, everybody's like, "Why are you telling this story? We, this is stupid." And we also have to strike the balance between not being too right. horrified because there are because we do have there's a there's a middle yeah. ground. We have some kids who are not as mature, and we have had incidents. I don't know, it's incident. We have had some 
feedback that right that maybe some, we've too- had to eliminate some stories as being too scary for kids so we're usually pretty good about that yeah but i was gonna ask you if you have like favorite stories out of these that you use for so, that so favorite stories i definitely do high beams because oh yeah that's a classic I, that's a classic um i've definitely done the babysitter and i will do we have to talk about these for people listening like high beams is the one where oh right it's a woman on a, a, a girl in many versions of stories on her way home driving and the car behind is flashing high beams right. and she's trying to drive away and it turns out there's somebody in the backseat so with a knife or an axe that or whatever. stuck with me from reading it as a youth that i legitimately check my backseat um <laughs> maybe even to this yes. day now yeah. I have a giant car seat in there, so I feel like it's unlikely. I mean, since I can barely get into my vehicle, it seems unlikely that anyone else could fit. But, but yeah. It'll just be your kids in the back with knives. My kid, <laughs> I was just saying they were going to kill me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that one I do. I read that one. The babysitter. Ah, oh, fuck no, man. That's scary as hell. Um, if you've ever been a babysitter, you know how goddamn scary that is. Um, or anyone who's ever been home alone. Like, the idea that that's, there's someone in the house with you. Like, and in that um, documentary that I watched, they talked a lot about how some of the scariest gothic horror and some of the scariest legends do involve that breaching of trust of, like, making your home not safe mm-hmm. anymore because your home is usually the spot where you're really safe. Um, but my biggest one that I read always is Harold because holy shit. Oh, yeah. 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 So you want to. Yeah. So Harold is the story about these two farmhands and they make a scarecrow and they're mean to it and it comes alive and it it skins the guy it alive. The guy. Yeah. And it's a really abrupt ending. It's, too. it's very just like, oh, by abrupt. He looks back over his shoulder and his he looks. Skin. Yes. They're leaving. <laughs> one of them's like, I forgot the whatever, the milking stool the or whatever. Stool yeah, those stools are so valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life. God forbid we'll never find another milking stool on the fucking farm we work on. <laughs> I'm going to go back even though we're literally leaving because we're afraid of this doll. And yep. then he looks back. He's like, okay, bye. I'm not going to go with you or help or anything, even though probably I have a gun. <laughs> um, He goes back on his own and he gets skinned alive. And his skin is yep. like dry, like tanning like leather on the roof. And Harold is like yep. menacingly looking at the other guy. The other guy's like, bye. Yeah. And it's the end. It is extremely <laughs> abrupt ending. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie that sometimes when I tell them out loud, I've now read them enough that I kind of have them memorized and I think that I probably mm-hmm. jazz them up. I give them a punch up. I'm not even going to lie. Yes. Well, first you tell me what some of your ones. That I tell uh, because mostly we tell, like I tell, what's the one about baseball? It's two guys. It's a silly one. So the, oh, the books yeah. end with... These are scary, but also just funny, right? right? And they're less, mm-hmm. less skinned people and more yeah, less. like, ha-ha, there's a ghost type thing. So it's about two guys and they're talking about baseball in the afterlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because you're going to pitch tomorrow because you're going to be dead tomorrow. I tell that one. I did go through these a few years ago and try to decide if there were any that... I would include. I can't remember if there are other ones that I maybe have told. Right. And then we always sort of cycle through. If a story doesn't land very well, then we take right. it out of the mix. I do high beams because my students are just starting to drive. And the girl oh, okay. the girl in the story is coming home from a school 
like basketball game or something. And she lives in the in this, I think, and she lives in like, you know, she has a drive in the country down like a not well-traveled road. And that is exactly where my students live. My, my yeah. students, some of them definitely live out in the boonies. And that to me is like, that's actually, I, cause I actually can scare the children. They're, they're there <laughs> for fun and they're like 17. So like I can actually scare them. Right. I have told the hook. Uh, what's is that the name of it? Which the, one? When they're on the date, the hook. Oh yeah, and... yeah. That's another good one, especially for my age group, because it's that cautionary "don't don't smooch in cars" right. tale. And I, I I've told that one, but it doesn't. They're like, okay, so there was a hook on the door, but nobody died. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like... That's I mean, and I remember hearing so many versions of these. These yeah, that's the thing. I tell some of them because they're classic. Yeah, they're classic. Scary stories. They're classics. Right. You have to have heard. Do them you know at least what once. one that I'm surprised is not in here? That was a classic that I heard so much. Was the the yellow ribbon or the green? The ribbon yellow ribbon. The yeah, I knew you were gonna say yeah. that. I tell that every year. I tell. I tell, I tell that one every year too. So for the uninitiated, that's one where the man marries a woman who always wears a ribbon around her neck, and he fucks with her about it forever, and she keeps saying, "You don't want to know. You don't want to know. Leave me be." And then he takes it off, and her head rolls off. Yeah, that's another classic. I feel like it's been around forever. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that's not in these because it is mm-hmm. one that is, uh, to me, ubiquitous in terms of the scary mm-hmm. stories. But So we talked about ones that we actually read to people. Are there ones that you just personally found creepy, like as a kid or now? Or So I, I do want to say this, too. I think as far as telling the stories and enjoying them, it's interesting how much the book... I, mean, I go back to the journalism thing. That really clicked for me when you said that. I did yeah. not know that before you said it. And... The books have almost a kind of a how-to-do-it feel. Many of them are like, hey, as you're telling this story, this is where you reach out and yell at at someone. They're like, here's – there's like little notes at the end that say how to make the story more scary for your audience. It's almost like a how-to sort of thing. And I also think the books sort of wind between these this weird spectrum of stories that are like – urban legend that just sort of this weird thing happened right or you know not all of them have you you mentioned like punching the story up a little bit and i think some of them need that if you're going to tell it as an actual story because they don't have that sort of gotcha they don't and scary moment this is kind of what i have more stories i wanted to talk about but this is kind of what i wanted to ask you is do you think that it's really just the scary illustrations that that left such an imprint more than the story. Absolutely. I think that's a big part of it. The stories are good. I think yeah. it's a good collection. But I think a huge part of the impact it made on people our age yeah. was the pairing of the illustrations and with there was those great... nothing like that. The, the, the stories with those great illustrations. There was nothing and it, like it, that. And, and I even no. in that documentary I watched, there was a guy saying... I had to, like, cover the page up with her face on it before I could read the page next to it because she was, like, looking at me. And I that really resonated with me. And so I do a little bit think that when, when you're reading them out loud, I, I feel the impetus to punch them up a little bit or somehow give them some flair because they're not accompanied with that image. That image speaks so much more than just the words alone and so just to say the words out loud they do need a little bit of a dramatic flair i mean also i'm dramatic and ridiculous but (laughs) so there's that aspect too but i I think that that really lends something to it i always liked the viper oh yeah one of the silly ones i think feel like i just just like that one that was one that always stuck with me and that i remembered 
two that, that well. I think I have always kind of stuck together in my head that stuck with me are the the white satin evening gown and then the bride. So the, the white bride, the, yeah. the white satin evening gown is she gets the she buys a secondhand dress and she dances all night and she comes home and dies because there was like formaldehyde on the dress that had been yeah. from a which is probably also not how that works at all. Um, and then the bride is they were playing hide and seek and she died. And there's that one very much. Yeah, and, and the pictures. I have tried to read that aloud and it never lands. No, but. the pictures are really creepy. Um, but I also think there's just something about that, like it was like romantic and exciting moment for these mm-hmm. young women, and then to be like struck down right in that like prime during that like moment. It, it there's something that has always like stuck with me. I. Have we talked about, we haven't talked about NaNoWriMo at all in here, but NaNoWriMo is a national novel writing month, and I I did that for many years in a row where I tried to write a novel in the month of November every year. And um, the story Such Things Happen with the witch where he drives the the nail into the tree because with Addie Fitch. Um, Addie Fitch the Witch, yep. Addie Fitch the Witch. Uh, that stuck with me so much that I used that as a basis for one of my NaNoWriMo's. Like, Uh. I have always loved a good witch story, and I legitimately wrote a yeah 50,000 word novel <laughs> based on <laughs> not that story but on many things but it was definitely one of the inspirations there's a lot of the neighborhood woman turns into a witch and does stuff i don't feel like there's a, i don't know if there's a lot but there's the one where the cat she turns into the cat and stealing yep. hams yep. and has the paw shot off yeah I thought there was another one, too, but maybe I'm not remembering correctly. Oh, another one that I do read out loud every year is the Haunted House one. Um, uh, Sutton. Where they stop and stay there. Where he stops and, and stays there. Down. And it's the it's the picture of the of the ghost. Um, and she, you know, she touches his jacket and he goes and finds her, uh, her yeah. body. Like, I read that one out loud and um, it's a good one to read out loud. And that is that that's a real creepy image with her. Hol- it's just her like face and her hollow eyes. And mm-hmm. um, that one is is one that I do read out loud every year. And I do think it's I do think that one is pretty well written. Um, do you remember the drum? The drum. The yep. two little kids covet that drum and they she tells them they have to go home and be bad. Yeah. The, uh, this one is also fuck? one that we have read at at, at students. Yeah. At students. We've read, We've read it, it at, at them. them. They did not care for it. We don't read it that often anymore. Glass eye and, and, and wooden tail? Like what? <laughs> like yeah, why I is that? Yeah. Why is that what makes her like the whole, the whole thing is just super. I remember thinking it was really weird as a kid. And then I kind of forgot about it. And in reminding myself, you know, refreshing my memory about these. I was like, what the fuck? The other ones that really stuck with me for, were all the, the sort of cannibalistic ones. There's oh, the one yeah. where the guy makes sausage out of, like, his whole village and they don't catch on until he chases a kid out in the street with yes. a knife. Yeah. And there's one where a woman feeds... Her husband. The neighbor's liver, like the, na- yeah. the dead yep. neighbor's liver to her husband and the neighbor's yeah. ghost. That one's really creepy stuff. because it's also pretty clear that he's, um like, abusing Abusive. her. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's and then she yeah, that's like a yeah. lot of series of events for her to get free of that evil husband. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. The cannibalistic ones stuck stuck with me. I do like the the, at least in the, f- is it just the first one that has the little musical things? Oh there's like poetry yeah. sprinkled about, and there's actually musical notation. Yeah, for there some was of the a guy stuff. in the documentary playing the songs and and talking oh, cool. about them. Um, so that was pretty cool. R.L. Stein was in that documentary. 
Oh, my goodness. Our, our good oh, friend. Bobby Stein. Our good friend, R.L. Stein. Um, and he was saying, you know, that Elvin Schwartz was a genius um, for taking folklore and legends and making them readable and accessible for kids. And he goes, yeah, we used to talk and he did, you know, he did so much. He did so much research. And he goes, I ever did research a day of my life. And I'm, I'm on my couch going, no shit, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> You came up with the title, and then we're like, oh, I'll yeah, write a yeah, book yeah. About this title. <laughs> so that was cute. Um, <laughs> oh man. And then my favorite other thing, you know, in the um, in the documentary, you know, they talked a lot about the book being banned. They had one of the librarians who's mm. who was challenged in her school, and she was, you know, in in the way of many librarians. She was a quiet, mousy little badass, and it was very sweet. She was like, my principal came in and said, "You're going to have to take this on the shelf," and I told him, "I just don't think I'm going to do that." And it was like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, again on my couch. I'm like, yes, librarian. We're subversive. Like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So I loved that. Um, And then my favorite was they were talking about the art and how fucking scary it is. And it was kind of worth watching this because they did have, I mean, some parts of it were like, woof. But they did have a few other artists um, kind of playing tribute to Hmm. the art style. And so there was a man that tried to make sculptures out of the the pictures and trying to render some of that creepy ass shit in 3D. It was really cool to see. Um, You may be able to find just clips of that part on YouTube maybe. Um, And then there was a woman who tried to do um, photography of, you know, she would try to kind of stage the person in the position or whatever. And then she kind of did some photo editing, but that was pretty cool. To see some of that. Um, And my favorite was, you know, that that haunted house story I was just talking about with the ghost girl. And she's on the cover of my anthology. That I saw in two places and in this documentary being called the picture that shat a thousand pants. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I do think it's interesting. And this is something that I think is just known. uh, I mean, maybe it's fact, maybe it's not. But it's something that I think we assume, especially as librarians, that when a book is banned, a lot of times it's not because of the actual words, but just what's illustrated. And I think that if the books had come out in the beginning with the illustrations that I have, I doubt there would have been half as many I doubt they would have been challenges popular. and bans. Most That's people, true. most people, when they talk about it, they talk about the pictures. The pictures, yeah. And that's no shade on on our, our buddy Elvin, but I just don't think that you know his his research and his putting of those folklore stories into a tome that was accessible for kids. I think shouldn't be undersold. I think that was right. a really clever idea and a good way to do it. But the thing that was scary, and 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 so I did hear a little bit about that in the documentary. You know, typically an author does doesn't have a lot of say about illustrations that go into their books or the way the cover of their book looks, um, unless it's something that's been pitched as a collaboration from the start. Um, and so this was not that, but but he was very thrilled to have these horrifying images, and he thought that they, you know, really helped to sell it. And the the author, or the illustrator, sorry, he's doesn't do a lot of interviews and is kind of a recluse or whatever, but there was an, an older interview that they, like, lifted from for this documentary, and he talked about how he doesn't ever want to, like, talk to an author or work with an author because he thinks it messes with his creative process, and so he didn't really, he said, I feel like once it's out of the author's hands and they're done editing, it's not theirs anymore and now it's mine to do with what mm-hmm. I want and he you know enjoyed making them making the images into whatever he wanted and so they didn't have really a collaborative relationship on it but I do think it really works because the stories yeah. are so simple they're simple they're scary but there's you know they're just 
They're just, they are what they are, but then the pictures really, really ramp it up. So there's something so, about that combo that just strikes home. So does this go in your nerd canon? I mean, hell yes. Yeah, mine too. I already, I already share it with my student nerds. Um, and, you know, when my baby nerds that I made are old enough, they will, they will certainly, they'll certainly um, be reading these and hearing these. And it's funny because my kiddos already really like a lot of spooky Halloween shit. So I, I think I can probably share these I wonder how that ever happened. I don't know. It's so weird that their favorite thing is The Nightmare Before Christmas um, all year <laughs> round. <laughs> and that my two-year-old knows I will say this, word. though. <laughs> It's in my nerd canon, but only the original version. It's so much more worth it to get the ones with Stephen Gamble yeah. illustrations than yeah. the newer ones. Don't even try to go for the... Just go find the original ones yeah. because it's so much... That's in my nerd canon. If you have to, I guess you could go for the new ones just to have some a nice collection of simple scary stories to read. But the, the original ones, are it makes oh, the whole thing. Yeah, infinitely better so, for sure. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, Scary Stories is in the Dark. You win. Great. Just as a note, Alvin Schwartz now is in the canon, but Robert Stein. Bob Stein, jovial Bob Stein. No, thank you. No, thank you. He's like, people are always disappointed when they see I'm just a boring old man. I'm like, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, thanks for listening. Um, thanks to Joe Costanza for writing our theme song. If you want more nerdy goodness, find us online at NerdCanon. We are Instagram, NerdCanon Podcast. We're Twitter, at NerdCanon. Do you have comments, suggestions of topics to cover? Tell us your favorite scary story to tell in the dark. Podcast at gmail.com. What are we doing next time? I don't know. What are we doing next time? Oh, don't tell mom the babysitter's ma- dead. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Paul's laughing at me because that's literally what we're about to record, and I should know for that as I am looking at my notes. See you next time. Until next time, Paul. Uh, keep the nerd alive. Keep it alive. Great. Solid work.